Guys, we're getting ready for a uh, the SEC championship game this Saturday and all the conference championships. I am joined today by Edward Egros. He is a busy, busy man. In addition to professionally uh, a professor at SMU and Pepperdine, he is an on-air analytics guy for Bally Sports West. He works with my with one of my favorite followers on Twitter, the Power Rank Ed Fang. He is oh gosh, I don't have your Twitter handle off the top of my head. Ed, Ed at Ed with Sports. At, at Ed, Ed with Sports. At Ed with Sports. He is an analytics guy, a true expert. He uh, talks and he also and works with FanDuel, so he's a uh, pro to semi-pro better. Do I have that? Is that a fair <laughs> accurate accurate description of? Oh all yeah, the, oh yeah, all... absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, I, cool. I'm a sharp depending upon who you ask. Uh, if you ask me, the answer is no, but you know, maybe someone disagrees and they're <laughs> they'll fight <laughs> through the modesty for me. He's a sharp in my book. He's, he's a great yeah. follow. You can learn a lot. And uh, he talks about not just football and college football, but he also is going to be, he works with uh, basketball, baseball, and hockey coming up. So thank you for joining us, Ed. And uh, let's kick it off. Okay. So um, the defense is well known uh, on this Georgia uh, squad. Um, it's without a doubt, I think, unquestioned the number one defense in college football. The offense has been putting up numbers, but um, people are suspect of it. What are your initial thoughts on the two squads or the two uh, the two units that Georgia brings to the Mercedes Benz on Saturday, Ed? You know, it's interesting because th there are a lot of questions coming in. And it's funny that you can play a, a dozen games, 13 games, whatever it is, and there are still questions because of a small sample size and the overall strength of schedule. It, the questions that we've had about, say, like Cincinnati, and if they've played a tough enough schedule to prove that they are worthy of being in the playoff. For some reason, this Georgia defense is getting these same questions despite being in the SEC. Being in the East is a real detriment in terms of overall reputation because, yeah, you've played a couple of West teams, no doubt, but the question is, have you played a good enough offense to prove that this defense is the best in America, that they really are that good, that they are bucking this trend, that when you are evaluating defense, it has more to do with who you've played than who you actually are. And for the longest time, I've looked at this Georgia defense and I thought, well, they are that much of an outlier and the preparations have been, you know, that much more innovative in terms of how Kirby Smart practices his guys and uh, gets them ready to go in terms of stamina, you know, fitness, all that good stuff. All of those things have been such an outlier to where I believe that, yes, this defense is inherently amazing no matter who they play. At the same time, I look at what Alabama's offense is doing, and I do feel that they are a unique challenge that I'm not sure Georgia has faced that much this season. I do believe that, especially when it comes to SEC football, for the most part, and also across much of college football, there is this disease of offensive inefficiency. And the cure to this is more efficient passing to me. Uh, you look at how often Alabama passes offensively. Now, granted, they've played a good bit of close games, and so that's going to matter a good bit in terms of evaluating decision-making and things like that. But Alabama is, is more of an aerial attack for the most part than I believe Georgia's defense has faced. And that's going to be the big question to me is, okay, now you're going up against an offense that is designed a little bit differently. Ever since Lane Kiffin came to Alabama, Nick Saban has really stressed this point of passing in a good bit more and not just outscoring teams, uh, but doing it in, you know, an almost, uh, you know, a flattering, embarrassing kind of way, uh, you know, in general, doing it to their opponents, all that stuff. But I wonder if this challenge is so different, 
how much Georgia's defense is going to step up and are they going to do different things as far as, you know, like the too high safety thing that they've been doing for the most part and not being and not needing to rush a bunch of guys because they've been just so dominant up front that they can sit back, not have to blitz as often. Is that going to change in this? And can they be comfortable uh, in case like Alabama does a quick passing attack and now all of a sudden you're doing things differently? How much will Georgia adjust to that? That's going to be my big question coming in. Well, they, like you say, we, they're an outlier. They're 30% success rate allowed on defense. I did a number and in, in, on my dog sports post, it talks about sort of successful plays per point. Georgia's absolutely in, in the tail of that curve to, uh, and at 0.35 points per successful play, which is nearly double this next best team. So you bring up some good points that, you know, as the best offense, probably that Tennessee is uh, that Georgia has faced was Tennessee. And that was not an over the top uh, passing attack. Florida was probably at the time one of the better offenses that they faced, um, but they still were based on short, short passing plays, and they were able to get pressure and up, up and sort of keep the offense off track there. Um, they Tennessee did have some success early in the game, and they adjusted. So those points are great. Um, what are you seeing? I mean, I know that you you have and use models. What what would you say is um, what do you expect out of the Georgia offense EPA wise? And if you want to jump in and explain your, I've explained EPA a bunch, but maybe a, a better expert might be able to explain it to the guys even better. So when you talk about EPA, basically it's all about context because you can look at yards, you can look at first downs and that's fine, but context matters so much more in football than say most any other sport. If you have a five yard gain on third and seven, yeah, five yards is pretty decent, but it was third and seven. You needed seven yards, and now you're facing a fourth and two because of that. So that didn't turn out very well. But if you have five yards on first and 10, well, that's pretty good because now it's second and five, and that's more manageable. And then you get another five, then you get a first down. Or even if it's four yards, then you have third and short, and you can run most things that you want. Context matters in football, and especially when it comes to college football, it matters because you are dealing with younger people uh, where, you know, I don't necessarily believe in momentum, do I? but I do believe in sort of the psychological uh, warfare kind of game uh, where if you are constantly moving the chains and you're constantly wearing down opponents and making them feel like, well, you know, no matter what we do, they're constantly getting five yards or six yards. They're constantly moving the chains and even third and long situations. I do think that kind of wears a team down a little bit more, say, in the college ranks. So when it comes to EPA offensively for Georgia, this run game is outstanding, no doubt about it. And I am a firm believer that coaches probably know their teams about as well as everyone. Now, granted, they may not always make the most efficient decisions, and there's tons of literature, tons of blog posts about that. But when it comes to Kirby Smart, he knows that his defense is really the, the blueprint and basically the identity for this entire team. And so his idea is, okay, we know that our defense is going to slow down and not completely stop any opposing offense. So what we want to do is something a little bit more reliable, run the ball a good bit, pass when we absolutely have to, but make sure they darn well count when they do have to pass. Uh, my buddy Parker Fleming uh, likens it to a service academy where you just run the ball constantly, 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 wear down an opponent, and then make them pay over the top. And for the, the most part, Georgia, the, That's the run to set up the pass, establish the run, all those, all those yeah. keywords. Yeah, exactly. You've heard the cliches by this point, and that's fine. It's worked for them. You know, you can't criticize it too much. My question is, what matters as far as context here? Because 
Alabama is not going to wear down. Tennessee would wear down. Florida would wear down. But Alabama is not going to wear down. And even if, if, if things are going very well and everything is going right for Georgia, Alabama is going to you know, do whatever it takes to stay in this football game. They're not going to lose overall stamina. So does that mean you are sticking to a blueprint even if you're trailing in the game, which is possible? Are you going to stick to the blueprint when, say, the game is tied in the fourth quarter? Those are the questions that I have. I do believe that, and this is more of a general thought, I do believe that every single college football team is going to face some kind of adversity at some point. Maybe you wait a long time to face it, but at some point you do. I can't think of too many national champions uh, in my lifetime who didn't have at least one game where it was close and it was nerve wracking. And maybe you need a little bit of luck to bounce your way. And other than that season opener against Clemson, where offensively Georgia didn't look very good, I can't think of a game where Georgia was really challenged. At some point, they're going to be, whether it's against Alabama or in the playoff against, you know, you know, say Michigan. They do a lot of uh, really interesting offensive things uh, or whoever. That's going to be my question. How do they handle adversity and how much are they willing and able to adjust context? And that's going to be the biggest question for me in this game. Um, do you ascribe to uh, your our good buddy uh, Ed's um, and he he's a quarterback guy in college, right? And he thinks that that Alabama has a markedly better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. And you're gonna if you go skin even just an inch deep in your Georgia Twitter, you're gonna find that that we're all in on Stetson Bennett and and that it's 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 if you took the names off the off the nameplates off the jerseys that people will be picking Stetson Bennett. What, what are your thoughts specifically on the two quarterbacks in this game? And do you, and uh, do you favor one over the other? I mean, you're, you're predicting a close game. It sounds like. I am predicting a close game. Uh, if you're betting this game, I love Alabama plus six and a half. Now it doesn't mean that Georgia can't win the game, but six and a half is a really big spread here, especially when you are considering, like I mentioned with Georgia's defense, this is the toughest challenge that they have faced all season. I think that's okay to say, uh, you know, if you are upset that some people are still saying, well, Georgia hadn't played anybody, I understand the upset, but both things can be true, right? Where yes, you haven't faced the, the, the greatest offensive challenge up to date, but Alabama is still the best one. I, I think that's fine to, to say both things. Now, all of that being said, I probably would prefer Bryce Young in general over Stetson Bennett, but Stetson Bennett has not been asked to do as much as Bryce Young. So that has to be kept in mind. If you think of the NFL, for instance, uh, Kirk Cousins is a great example of this. Kirk Cousins is highly debated as to if he's a good quarterback because yeah, the advanced analytics love what he does, but you watch him play and you'll see something where he's not lined up behind center. He's lined up behind his guard or something. Uh, or, you know, he makes funky decision-making. Or they run the ball a lot more than you would expect, despite having this great passing attack with, with Jefferson and, you know, Thielen and all that stuff. To me, George is kind of the same, same uh, conversation, where Stetson Bennett, from what you've asked him to do, he's been outstanding. But Georgia has never been in a position where he's had to carry a team. So it's hard to say Bryce Young has had to carry Alabama, most notably in the Iron Bowl, when his top receiver is having the worst game of his life and his number two receiver was ejected. And Bryce Young had to carry that offense and it worked. And it also involved going forward on fourth down a couple of times and Nick Saban's willing to do that. I think that's another dynamic, if I may digress slightly, is, you know, 
how innovative is Kirby Smart when it comes to fourth down decision making? Whenever I've seen it over the course of the last few years, it's been rather conservative in terms of when he punts. He had one really bad. He had, he had one really yeah. bad that comes to mind. But yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's my question: Is Nick Saban's far more innovative innovative as far as that's concerned? So if this game gets close, then Nick Saban has a coaching edge, and that should be a concern here. All of that being said, if it's not close, then, you know, this this Georgia defense obviously imposed its will and then you don't have to worry about it. But, <laughs> it, you know, but yeah, but still, though, when it comes to Stetson Bennett, they haven't asked Georgia or, or they haven't asked him to do very much. Can he do more if he needs to do more? That's a big question. And I don't know if anyone can answer that, honestly, because maybe he can, maybe he can't. Those are awesome points. And I, I think that that's, um, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think it's a fair and obviously a very edu educated um, opinion on that. And I think as a Georgia fan, I think you, that's a, that's a reasonable expectation. It's like, that's, he's done what he's been asked to do, but it has been asked to do that much. And he's done it every time, either, every time the bells rang, he's been there. So mm -hmm. uh, I hope that's the case on Saturday. I'm clearly showing my colors here. Um, mm -hmm. You like, you like six and a half. You like to take the points. Do you have any other thoughts on the the totals or any of the other championship games this weekend? Uh, tonight we've got Oregon and Utah and Western Kentucky and uh, who? Northern Illinois? Who's no Western Kentucky and uh, San Antonio UTSA? Yeah, yeah, UTSA. Uh, previously undefeated. Uh, Pre previously undefeated. Yes, the good old Roadrunners meet me. I well, first off, when it comes to SEC championship, yes, I I would take points. I think Georgia can still win this game. I'm just expecting something really close. And that's fine. Uh, we'll make the playoff interesting as far as what you do with Alabama, because to me, they are a top four team. But have they done enough? Are they worthy enough to make the playoff? That's, you know, that's that's a whole book I could write there. Um, but as far as uh, other championship games or also, by the way, I like the over in the SEC championship game as well. I do think that both teams will be able to score some points. Uh, you know, you're dealing with a modest total here. I think 50 51 is probably where I would have this go. Maybe Georgia 27, 24, something of the sort. That's probably how I see this going down. But as far as other championship games, I think Michigan probably blows out Iowa because Iowa's offense is real suspect. Uh, they were winning a lot of games because of defensive special teams, and those things are inconsistent from one week to the next, unless you're Georgia's defense and you just beat up on everybody. Uh, Iowa's defense is not that. Special teams aren't that. Iowa's offense cannot carry the Hawkeyes against, you know, what Michigan's able to do up to this point. So I think Michigan wins that in a blowout. And uh, Pac-12, you know, I'm a firm believer if that you dominated a team the first meeting that you're going to dominate them again the second go around. So I'd probably like Utah uh, and the points there. And uh, as far as anything else, um, you know, not too many leans, I guess, on championship weekend. I will say that uh, the American Houston, Cincinnati, I probably like the under in that one because I think Houston's defense is probably an underrated unit. Don't talk about them enough. And I don't know if the pressure of remaining undefeated and making the playoff is going to affect Cincinnati. Probably not. Uh, but I do feel like that this offense has sputtered at times. And if they're facing a really good challenge like Houston's defense, I wouldn't be surprised if that slows them down, slows the pace down just enough uh, for that game to go under. Still think Cincinnati can win it. Uh, but Houston's defense, I do believe, is largely underrated. Okay. I'm going to let you go because you've been awesome, Ed. Thank you so much. I got two questions for you. I, you, yes. got, you got 10 bucks. Who you put? Uh, who you want to bet on for the Heisman? And who are your final four in the uh, college football playoff? So for the Heisman, I, I was a firm believer that CJ Stroud was going to win this thing. And I'm curious if like you lose a data point 
if that all of a sudden makes Heisman voters forget about him altogether. To me, he has been the best quarterback in college football all season long. Uh, if Bryce Young wins this game over the weekend, he probably does win it. But I, I find it infuriating that even if Bryce Young wins this game on Saturday, I don't necessarily think he's going to be hanging 45 on Georgia's defense. I think that's silly to believe that's going to happen. But one game should not be affecting your Heisman vote. And I do feel like that recency bias is going to swing things, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I, I still feel like C.J. Stroud probably is most deserving. Uh, you know, who will win it? I mean, it may still be him. Uh, but I'm not hearing any one person who, you know, is really sort of moving the needle uh, in general. Um, but as far as who's going to make the playoff, Michigan's going to win. They're going to be in. Uh, Georgia's going to be in no matter what happens. I think Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 championship. That's another defense uh, that's been really impressive, especially when it comes to stopping the run, which I think Baylor is going to probably try and do, uh, you know, because there are quarterback concerns there. Um, so I think eventually Oklahoma State wins and, and gets in. Um, it, you know, other than that, I still have my doubts that Cincinnati makes the top four because Oklahoma State will have beaten Baylor, and that is a good football team. Cincinnati beats Houston, doesn't have that kind of reputation. Uh, so what would it be? Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and, and Notre Dame, Bama, or Cincinnati is the fourth. Bama might still make it. Even if they lose, Bama might still make it. Um, I, would... I can see the argument that, you know, if Bama plays a really close game, then they can you can make the argument that they are more deserving than an undefeated Cincinnati team that only faced Notre Dame. Well, there it is. Heads will explode everywhere. I appreciate your time. Those are awesome points. And I hope you enjoy the weekend. And maybe we can catch back up for the playoff. You are awesome, Ed. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Let's come back.